Company Watch Financial Analytics. Hello and welcome to the Company Watch podcast. I'm Joe Ketner, CEO of Company Watch, and I'm joined by Nick Hood, Financial and Commercial Risk Analyst. Good morning, Nick. Good morning. We are recording today's episode in the morning of Tuesday, the 7th of September. And our key topics for this week, um, although there there has been a lot um, obviously picked up in the press about the proposed national insurance hike to pay for social care at NHS, we are recording still early in the day and, and that is due to be announced today, but we, we don't have details. Details are sketchy. So we'll we'll look at that perhaps towards the end of our discussion today on some of the implications. But really what we wanted to focus on was um, the construction industry as a, as a kind of microcosm mm-hmm. of, of what is happening across the board, really, in terms of labour um, shortages, supply chain issues and so on. Um, and we're starting to, to pick up from our contacts in the industry some slightly worrying signs, I would say, and, and wanted to, to, to talk a little bit more detail about that. So, Nick, let, let's start with this construction um, issue. And there have been lots of lots of articles this week and lots of lots of conversations that we've had. Yes. I mean, the, the real focus for um, sort of looking, looking at this has been a piece in the Financial Times yesterday, which referred to the uh, ongoing... Um, numbers from the IHS market uh, CIPS survey that they've been doing for uh, since 1997 on the mm-hmm. construction sector. And, and in broad terms, and we'll come to the numbers, which are irritatingly vague, but we'll let's look at what they talk about. They talk about all the things we know are going on in this industry, severe shortages of building supplies, lack of transport capacity, import. Um, backlogs, labour shortages, labour costs um, soaring, and and um, and input prices soaring. And moving away from the survey briefly, um, separate articles uh, comment that brick prices are now up ten percent year on year, and concrete prices are up fifteen percent. Timber, I know anecdotally, seventy yeah. percent. So some very very major. Um, and this is an industry. Let's not forget where margins are minuscule typically um, and so any very very sensitive to any increase in input prices particularly on fixed term fixed price, price contracts. contracts contracts anyway the survey um, uh, identified that uh, the index for input prices uh, was at a record high um, since 1997 it's now now this is an index that it's it's rather a curious thing. It it records um, the number of respondents out of a population, a sample, that uh, are talking about rising or falling prices, mm-hmm. and you don't get a, a a readout of the percentage of the rise or the fall, but you you know how many people are saying it's going on, roughly right. how it works. So we're now at on an index of a uh, um, hundred. We're now in in the low nineties, saying that prices are rising. Wow! Now, if you go back a long way to two thousand and one, it was at sixty, but it was also in the mid sixties in twenty twenty last year. So, wow! You know, so that's a big, big spike. Right. In... So, I mean, what it's saying fundamentally is that absolutely everybody in the industry, uh, purchasing managers, are saying prices are rising. So I think well, I think what this tells you, um, to the extent that it's meaningful, is that this is endemic and it's covering the entire industry. 
That's mm. that's the important thing here. When you looked at also, they they look separately at subcontractor rates. Um, the um, the number of respondents saying that they are going up is now at seventy five uh, on an index of one hundred yeah. against forty five last year. I know. Um, and they are saying yeah. that import cost inflation is now accelerating at the second fastest rate since 1997. Um, this was in August 2021. And the only higher number was in June 2021. Um, this is, I mean, this, is, this has all kinds of implications, doesn't it? Perhaps not to go into in too much detail here, but in terms of what we've talked about with the Bank of England and in, inflation wages. And, and we know Bank of England is, is really focusing on labour um, prices is, but the fact that the rates of the subcontractors are going up, and we know that um, labour rates, you know, HGV. I think there's been lots of press stories, haven't there, of of HGV drivers, you know, potentially earning up to two hundred fifty thousand um, pounds a year in some <laughs> for some desperate industries. I, so I, um, I know, I know, and with, actually within the industry, um, it's interesting within the construction sector. It's interesting that one of the other things that the um, this survey uh, highlights is that the growth in new business mm-hmm. and bear in mind construction had been doing very well. It's pretty much the savior of the yeah. of GDP um, through the, through the tough old times. And uh, it's saying that growth in new business has now eased to a five month low. And, uh, and one commentator um, uh, talking about this survey said, it is really difficult to imagine that construction activity in the UK can grow in the near and medium term. And is this because of demand? So is there, there's still demand, but but actually contractors are not being able to, to, to service actually, that demand. They're actually now turning down work because yeah. they can't do it. And that they presumably is also driving prices up because prices, if, yeah. there's, if there's demand and you can only have a certain capacity, you can charge higher prices to do Yes, yes, you can. Works. And, and uh, perhaps the last, um, well, a couple, of, couple more straws in the wind on this, there have been a couple of fairly chunky uh, failures um, in the sector in the last uh, 10 days or so. Um, a, um, an m and specialist with a 20 million turnover subcontractor mm. has fallen into admin and a civil engineering firm quite well known, um, 61 million turnover, um, is, is, is looking at doing a CVA. So it, 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 clearly there is stress going on. And when I find as I did this morning, that uh, the uh, business editor of the Sunday Times, Oliver Shah, has written uh, a piece um, on a property website s- um, saying that um, the subcontractor sector of the construction in- industry is now in the early stages of total mel- meltdown. Mm. And, and using this phrase that I used a couple of weeks ago about this, you know, subcontractors are the Canaries, not just in the construction coal mine, but the entire UK economy. Mm. That's where it starts, always has done previously. So I think that's, um, uh, but as you say, it's a microcosm. It's one sector. We could have done something similar about a number of other sectors. Hospitality is the obvious, <clears throat> the obvious one. And, and it, it, it feeds through into, um, you know, I wrote down my notes, insolvency trends. One of the problems here is that the sector analysis of business failures tends to lag a little tiny bit mm-hmm. behind the raw numbers for yeah. actual failures. Um, now, I, you know, my Twitter feeds, my conversations, my you know, uh, media reading, the whole thing, wherever you turn, there are anecdotal suggestions that 
the um, the much anticipated surge in informal in insolvency has started. You know, in, yeah. you know, very gently, and we're not yet at the end of the furlough scheme, which we'll perhaps talk about again later. Um, so this is, but it's all anecdotal. You know, my examples from construction, I could give you some from hospitality. Um, so we're going to be all over the yeah. um, sector analysis from the insolvency service uh, when it's next published. Um, it's interesting. Again, some, some one of my contacts was talking in the um, construction industry, saying that there is a there is another side to this in terms of some companies that have done pretty well with this sitting on large cash piles and the sense that there will be some you know acquisition activity strategic insolvencies mergers you know there there is potentially quite a lot of change that, that could come about in this um in this industry so again you know as we always say talking to um to those key customer suppliers and and just kind of really keeping a handle on on figures and what's going on and what's going on, on the ground in these businesses is so um so important not to be blindsided by by sudden sudden changes yes and, and of course one i don't know whether it's the same contact joe um or another one uh, mentioned to you the international angle mm, yeah uh, which is interesting. interesting yeah absolutely so saying that um being worried about both actually with supply and customers uh, international markets um you know brexit supply chain issues and, and so on um, and that being one of the the kind of risk factors that, that he's keeping quite a close close eye on at the moment in this in this industry. I suppose that leads us on to another um, part of this um, <laughs> this topic, which is supply chain, um, really. And you picked up an interesting piece um, in the Telegraph um, earlier in the week on the kind of reliance on on China. The thing that struck me there was that China has now overtaken um, Germany as the as the single country that that um, that UK imports from. Um, most and I think I wonder if you could just just give us a little bit of a flavour of the yes. of the arguments around around this. Yeah, this was the Telegraph uh, on Saturday, and it was commenting on research done by a lobby group. So do take this with the grain of salt that all lobby mm-hmm. group uh, data um, <clears throat> should make you think about. Um, this is the Independent Business Network uh, have done this research, and what it's identified is that. Um, 28,000 firms in the UK import items for which the UK is almost entirely dependent on China, and 50,000 products being in, were, are being imported into the UK that are almost exclusively only available from China. And uh, if you want a particular focus, if you look at the uh, there's a there's apparently there's a disaster relief list of products um, for major uh, disasters, but in this particular case, this is about coronavirus. Mm-hmm. There are 183 products um, on this this disaster re- uh, relief list. 123 of them have seen the proportion coming from China have increased since before the pandemic, and China now provides 26 percent of the value of all these items these items are by value and in 2019 that was eight percent um and 
if you this is in a context isn't it where we're having huge um disruptions in um in shipping um, mm-hmm. another article I don't, we might come back to that um again from the ft yesterday talking about um one of the, the bosses of the shipping company telling us all we need to buy less because that will help the um help ease the, the shipping um congestions but you know on a serious point you know clearly we, we've talked I mean, I think we talked with philip um, king last week about the um, huge increases in in um, container prices um, and that's if you can get if you can get space on one and get it into support, I think there are about 40 um, ships docked outside um, LA um, at the moment. So, you know, there, there's massive disruptions and um, and that is a real real risk, isn't it, in terms of being the ability to, to come out of the uh, of the pandemic if you're relying for your key um, key key supplies that can help you deal with this um, in a very, very shaky supply chain shaky supply chain and one affected um, in a big way by geopolitics you know um, heaven, heaven forbid that we expose our economy to the sort of blackmail that um you know if, if china's prepared to blackmail um, universities about um about the content of their courses um then um applying a little pressure about the supply chain for um uh, i don't know um, chemicals used in 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 disease control is 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 nothing. I mean, just mm. to sum it up, um, the value of imports from China in Q1 2021 was up 66% on Q1 2018. Yeah. So from 10 and a bit billion to almost 17 billion. And the other four largest import sources have all fallen in that period. So that's Germany, you mentioned the Netherlands, the US and France. So we really, really are, um, we, we are dependent uh, increasingly on China. And I'm not sure I find that a very comfortable place to be. And it's interesting, uh, picking up on, um, it's a slightly uh, tangential Point, something I read this week, a blog. I think we've mentioned um, Peter Smith before. He's a procurement um, guru who's who's written a few books on on. Um, I think he calls it bad buying, um, mm-hmm. and he was kind of reflecting on on the the trend over recent years of. Uh, big buyers aggregating spend and and really kind of buying into this whole notion of economies of, of scale, um, and I think you know it, these supply chain um, issues have really shone a, a light on how dangerous that can can be and what an impact that can can have if you are aggregating your supply to a single um, a single source and and he really strongly advocates trying to kind of spread that risk um, more and even and I think we, we've talked about this in the past even looking at, at duplicating um the supply of, of certain products so that you have the relationship in place and that you can you can look and, and ramp up you know rather than having to source um source new suppliers from scratch when there's when there's an issue so that's a i might might send a link to that um to that blog that was an interesting um piece that, that we read this week now nick shall we um turn finally to the national insurance um, issue obviously there's been a lot of speculation we still haven't i don't think got any um concrete proposals at the time of recording this but so far we're looking at um an increase of 1.25 percent i think this morning at, um yes and it's going to be, insurance yes it's and it's going to be slightly wider spread as i understand it so it won't just be on uh, just an extra 1.25 percent on the existing national insurance rate it's it's going to be called something like the health and social care levy and there is quite a lot of chat that it will be extended to the 
um, income of working pensioners. As right. Okay. Because at the moment, the pensioners don't <clears throat> don't pay the um, national insurance, do they? Hands up! I do not pay national insurance. I admit it. It's my fault. <laughs> Absolutely my fault. Um, and of course, the question I raised with Joe was, um, what impact is this going to have? on consumer spending power mm. because you know simplistically if you act, if you increase uh, national insurance you know the employees national insurance by 1.25% you're taking that amount out of their pockets mm. and of course the other the flip side of that if you add it to the amount the employer pays then um, you're going to reduce the capacity for business investment I should have thought that. And presumably increased prices as well. I mean, on the other yeah. side, you're taking that away, but you're also potentially that's going to flow through into um, to, to price rises. Yeah. I mean, this is all incredibly simplistic and we don't really know the details. So in a way, we're we're indulging in gossip and speculation here, but hey, why not? Um, but it's interesting. I mean, I suppose it's, again, a, a something to flag up, especially if you're kind of looking at modelling forecasting um, and thinking about input costs and labor cost in in some of the the, the, the forward planning that um, that you're doing on on your customers or suppliers being able to factor something like this in is, mm. is probably worth um probably worth doing i think yes yeah, so, and, and my suspicion is that if this comes to pass then the impact of of any reduction of consumer spending is going to fall on supermarkets it's going to fall on hospitality it's going to fall on some parts of uh, retail, those bits that are heavily focused on discretionary spend rather than essential spend. But it may also impact on uh, essential spending and you know, some tough decisions being made in households. And of course, you know, you've got to remember that uh, the the worst impact of this is going to be at the lower end of the income scale. And of course, the, uh, if you're looking in that area, that demographic, because we've got the uh, the ending of the extra £20 on universal credit Absolutely. coming. Mm. Now, we don't know how quickly this will be brought in. I mean, one suspicion is it will be from next year on, next tax year, mm. because it's a bit difficult to change these things in mid-tax year. But, uh, you know, it, it, um, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I have um, many other issues, um, quite apart from putting the cart before the horse of, of raising the money without having told anybody what you're going to spend it on. And I suspect that I'm going to be um, an extreme version of Mr. Angry somewhere around about the point where this is announced today, because it will be all about funding, which is very good. I mean, the sector desperately needs more money. But it doesn't need more money to be paid to the, the business. I mean, you've written extensively on the um, on the obscure structures, haven't you, of, of many of these yeah. Um, yeah. of many of these <clears throat> providers. So I think what Nick Nick will be. Um, <laughs> appearing in in other news outlets over i will be um, fulminating all over the place because what they're not going to do i am absolutely sure is reform the actual social care system um they're just going to cap cost um to, to make some illusory um, point about people not losing their, their houses and and they're going to increase the funding uh, that is just the beginning of putting this right Mm. Anyway, off off my soapbox. <laughs> well, watch this space. I mean, we will we will share links to, to other things that you um you talk about on that on that topic. Um, just to quickly before we wind up, and and this is um something we've. I, I, I approach this with caution because I think I have said this on several occasions before. But in theory, at the end of this month is the end of the um ban on winding up and uh, winding up petitions and statutory demands. At the time of recording, we are expecting that 
to actually end at the end of September, but um, as ever, you know, watch, watch this space. I think we haven't, in, in previous, um, coming up to the previous deadlines, there has been clamour by this stage from within um, the business community to, to, to have an extension. I haven't really been hearing so much about that this time. And I think there, there does seem to be a sense that, you know, you cannot prevent, um, prevent these, these debts from being collected forever. So, you know, our, our sense is that it will, it will indeed end on the 30th of September, but you know, that there will come up with a whole load of um, issues around landlords potentially, um, who I think have been most affected by yeah. um, the inability to, to collect debts. And even though they can't um, evict until March, 2022, there are clearly other ways that um, they might start to investigate um, recouping some of their, their losses. Excellent. Lovely. Thank you so much, Nick. As always, pleasure to pleasure to speak. Um, thanks everyone for listening. Until next time, goodbye.